I'm going to invite you to power on your Bible or turn uh, one at home or even go online to Bible.com and go to Acts chapter 8 as we kick off uh, this teaching series called Underground Jesus. Now, those who have been around Mercy Road long enough know this is not a new teaching series, but it will be fresh like it always is. We do this series once a year. It's the only series we repeat. We, we make it a little different every single time where we focus on who we are as a church and how church is not just a building or a gathering. And it hit us like normally we wouldn't do this till the fall, but we're literally forced to live this out right now. We can't meet in a building, so why not talk about the church that we are and how we're wired for moments just like this in the middle of the crisis that we're all experiencing from different parts around the world. So you may not realize this. You may be joining us online in your home right now from different parts of the world. You could actually participate in the underground aspect of our church, our outposts and huddles that we'll be describing over the coming weeks. You could get in one of those this week right now, and I encourage you to do that. But at this underground Jesus movement, we have been talking about the eight and a half years our church has existed, that we're not a building, we're not a gathering, we are a community on mission, like like that's happening right now. And, and as we talk about this underground movement, I wanna give you some theology, some biblical backing to give it legs. And I wanna encourage you to look at what does it look to live a life fully surrendered uh, to Jesus. You know, we're talking about movements that are occurring. Some of us, we got movements going on right now in our house, you know, to give you an idea of what this is like, man. I got three young kids in my house with these youngsters that are looking to, to remove the dictators that are in our house of my wife and I, and they're looking to overthrow the government in our home. Anybody with me right now? And they're saying, we want things to be differently. That's what we are doing as a church family. We are saying, we want to see the movement of Jesus Christ look differently today. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. And even those of you who are young in your faith could actually live this out in a real way. We're calling you to a greater movement that changes the course of human history because the work of the Holy Spirit is still working today in you and in me. It's big stuff, isn't it? So I'm excited to get into this and talk about over the next six or seven weeks together what the underground movement of Jesus looks like today. So as you're turning to Acts chapter 8, I just want to remind you that this is really just reclaiming what the early church was. The early church was just a bunch of uh, young people or young in their faith at least, even older people who were newer to, to knowing the reality of God who began to live on mission together to make the world a better place. And that's what we're doing today. You, the church scattered is still the church. In fact, in some ways, we could actually become a better, less consumeristic version of the American church. And that gets me pretty pumped and excited. I hope it does you too. So that said, in the comfort of your homes, are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on, look with me now. Yep, that's right. Get your digital hands together. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And I thought this was a really important uh, verse for us today as we're living in quarantine, scattered all over the state and world right now. Uh, if you look at verse 1, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. If you're new to the book of Acts, it talks about after the death and resurrection of Jesus that we just celebrated with Good Friday and Easter, that the early church got started and it began to spread. And then great persecution broke out. 
And there was this guy named Saul, a religious Pharisee of the Jewish community, who was actually oversaw the stoning of Stephen, one of the first seven deacons of the early church. And so in response to that, the church begins to be scattered throughout the eastern part of the Roman Empire, fearful for their lives because of what Saul, who one day will have his life changed and become Paul, is doing. And if you look at verse 4, it says, those who had been scattered, right? Just like us today, we're meeting in our homes. We're scattered all over our city, all over our state, and even around the world and throughout the country today. And we believe that the church scattered can still make an an impact. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, you could say they're even making a bigger impact. Look what happens here. They preach the word wherever they went. And then verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And in Acts chapter 8, we get to hear about the disciple Philip, who you don't hear that much about throughout the New Testament, but he's actually going to be used by God as the church is scattered to reach a lot of people. The hard part of that is often in times like this, in seasons like this, just in the early church, it can feel kind of chaotic. But I just want to encourage you, if you truly surrender your life to Jesus, as we talked about last week, that the Spirit of God, the New Testament teaches, is going to guide you. God's going to be with you in the middle of the chaos that surrounds us. The question really is, have we made Jesus Lord enough in our life to experience God's leading? That's what I want to ask you. What does making Jesus Lord of your life look like now, today, in your life? Will you join me in prayer as we dive into this passage? God, I just thank you for those uh, tuning in from all over uh, the world. And we pray right now, Jesus, that you would speak to us through your word. God, I pray that you would take my words away and you replace them with yours. God, give us a vision for what a surrendered life of making you Lord today looks like. Please, Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name. And again, everybody said, amen, amen. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned the coup d'etat happening in our house as our children are attempting to take over the leadership during quarantine. And maybe you can identify with that. But I was thinking about my uh, son, Jet, who I mentioned last week, our five-year-old, and his overwhelming devotion to now that his dad is at home during the week and he can see his dad working in the office, it's like every 20 minutes coming in, Dad, are you still working? Can, can we play now? Any of you identify with that at home? Many of you, like you, I'm working from home right now as we're quarantined at the time. And it's just like, dude, I want to play with you. It's not after five o'clock yet. I still got to work at that, but it was 20 minutes ago. You ready to play? No, I can't play. And it's just never ending. And you know what eventually happens? Eventually, it's five o'clock. I cave in and I'm like, okay, Jet, we're going to play now. Let's have a good time. He wants to wrestle or do whatever else he wants to do. Here's the thing. You know what devotion looks like. A five-year-old gets what devotion looks like. He is going to keep pursuing and pursuing no matter what. I want to encourage you as a Christian today, if you've given your life over to Jesus, to make him Lord now means you're going to be devoted to him. That the obstacles and the sin and the brokenness that so often gets in our way that you could battle back to stay devoted. The New Testament is full of that with the early church. You look at the, uh, the revelation of John at the very end of the New Testament. It's really a letter of discipleship in chapters two and three to the one who overcome, it says to each of the seven churches, to those who overcome, who are victorious, that don't give up, that stay devoted during times of hardship. 
You're going to receive the, your name written in the Lamb's book of life, it says. And I, I believe today, for those that are truly devoted to following Jesus during a time like this, you're going to get to see God show up in your life and the lives of those that you care around you. And here's the, the beautiful thing. Throughout Christian history, for, for thousands of years, it was uh, all great movements of God begin with great devotion to Jesus. You see it time and time again. The early church, we're looking at it right now. They had this overwhelming devotion to Jesus. They're scattered, they're being persecuted, but they're still going around and sharing their faith in ways that they can. And I know we're quarantined in our homes, many of us, but there are still ways for if you consider yourself a Christian to live on that twofold mission, to help those in need and to share our faith. We're doing as that as a church. I'm gonna share that with you today. But the early church did it, but throughout church history, actually, Christians have always done this. If you look, uh, one of my favorites is the Moravian Church and the Methodist Church. And let me start with the Methodist Church. The Methodist Church, there's a guy named Francis Asbury, got a picture there on his horse statue. He was a real guy that would literally travel all over the Midwest and preach the good news of Jesus and then start churches in homes in these different towns all around the, what at that time was the western part of the United States here in the Midwest. This movement occurred because they just had this overwhelming devotion. Jesus, you didn't even need a degree. They just sent you out, not like the Anglicans or the Catholics where you needed this advanced degree. They just said, you've got God alive in you. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Go, go, baby. And it was about your devotion to Christ. You see this also even in the 1970s with the Jesus movement. You may not be familiar with what that was, but here's a Time magazine from that period of time where the, the good news of Jesus spread rapidly and Christianity grew immensely on the West Coast of the United States and places like Southern California where you wouldn't think that would happen. But they just had this overwhelming devotion to Jesus. Or you look at the, uh, the underground church in China in the last 50 years. I mean, they're, they're being persecuted, but they're meeting in homes secretly many times and just devoted to Jesus and his word. That's what it was like. And I mentioned one of my other favorites, the Moravian Church, was started by a guy named Jan Hus. Uh, they also called him John, but his, real, his name is actually Jan Hus. And, and Jan helped start the early starts of the Protestant Reformation. Long before Luther and Calvin, he was a Czech theologian and he was writing about reclaiming the faith you see and the devotion you see in the early church in the New Testament that we're reading right now. And as he did that, this little group of just a few people one day would grow and become the Moravian movement. And this, this movement, hundreds of years later, they began to devote themselves in the eastern part of Germany. This one little village of Moravians devoted themselves to prayer. And because they devoted themselves to prayer, they prayed 24 hours a day. Get this, 24 hours a day, someone from the Moravian church was praying for 100 years straight. 100 years straight. And this little group, because of a prayer movement and their devotion to Jesus, it spread all over the world that over 750,000 people followed after Jesus because of the movement of one little church, what we know as the Moravian Christians. What could God do with us today in our homes? If the underground movement of Jesus Christ is alive and well today, that the church is not a building and it has no borders and it's the people living on mission, that's still happening and we witnessed it last weekend. And I can't wait to see as people join us from around the world how God could use you as you get uh, connected to God more and more through the personhood of Jesus and you get connected to his Holy Spirit and you get connected to Christian community. So 
Here's where I want to go now. The real issue then, will we live a surrendered life? Will we be devoted to him during a season like this? You may have prayed a prayer and given your life to Christ. You may have salvation, but have you really made him Lord in the sense that you've surrendered your life to him? So I want to share with you during a time like this how to live, how to live a surrendered life now. Right now, today, what would it begin for you to look like, not just to know church is a building or to attend it online, but to actually begin to lead a surrendered life to Jesus as Lord? And the first thing I'd love to point out, we're just going to walk through Acts chapter 8 and the story of Philip. The first point I'd love to make is to be aware of what God is doing today. It's so easy for some of you who've been Christians for decades to think about what God has done in the past or be focused on when are we going to get back to normal? When's this thing going to be over? What if we said, you know what? Today is the new normal. And so for this moment, today, what's God doing today? I want to be aware of it and I want to join with him in that. For those who are Christians, let me show you this. In Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 30, it says, Philip now, he had left and he's preaching the gospel and he leads this guy Simon to faith and other things happen. And then he ends up in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. So kind of the right-hand eunuch of the queen and he oversaw the pocketbook, the treasury. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Imagine this happens. You're fearful of being persecuted. It's a chaotic version of Christianity in their day. They don't know what's going to happen. Their buddy Stephen, they knew him personally, was just killed. And so he listens to God though, despite all of those things, And he does what the Lord is asking here, and he tells him to go over to this chariot, and he does it. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot, this guy he doesn't know, and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked him this question, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? He had the wherewithal to be aware, God's doing something, and I'm going to join with him right now, today. It's different than it looked a year ago, and it's different than it's going to be a year from now, but today... I'm going to be aware of what God is doing. I know for many of you, you just kind of want to go back, like I said, to the way things were, but what's God doing right now? I can tell you what he's doing right now in our church. We started, as we said last week, over 30 brand new online outposts in one week. People are finding community online. We saw so many people last week, stories of many of you hadn't uh, attended a church service in years or decades And you attended with us online last week and God spoke to you and I want to encourage you. Uh, Church is not about a person. It wasn't something I said. That was the God of the universe speaking to you and he even uses a, a broken person like me to do that. That's the beauty of God. And as God speaks to you, what would it look like? Not to say, many of you, I've heard you say, well, when you eventually have services again at a building, maybe I'll come check it out. What if you said, I'm going to be aware of what God's doing today and today I could get online in an outpost to find community with each other. If you're like, what's an outpost? It's a group of people doing life together, studying God's word together, doing a Bible study together, and then living on mission in the ways that they can. And today, that mission looks a little different than it did a month ago. What would that look like for you to do today? We have many new believers joining us from around the world. I want to challenge you, like the eunuch in this passage as well, that he had to respond 
to this guy walking up to him and receive it and begin to live differently. I believe the church is more, church is more alive and active today than it's ever been. How to live a surrendered life. Number one, be aware of what God's up to today. Number two, real simple, I'm gonna go quick on this, get your answers answered. Or excuse me, get your questions answered. You need to get your questions, uh, answers to your questions. In fact, Acts 8.31, it, it, the, the eunuch here, here's what happens. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? Here's the cool part. God had already been working in the eunuch's life. He had pointed him to Isaiah, this prophecy hundreds of years earlier about Jesus, about the Messiah and how he was gonna be slain. It was like a softball pitch God had given Philip here. And for some of you as Christians, God is doing that today in the middle of a crisis. We need Christ more than ever before. And so this eunuch is just trying to get his questions answered. In verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. For some of you that are more like the eunuch, you need to get your questions answered today. You, you need to get into an outpost or a huddle, the underground aspect of who we are. When we talk about the underground movement of Jesus, we're talking that church is not a building or a gathering. What happens in our outposts, which is our communities on mission that I described, and our uh, intentional discipleship huddles, which are one-year committed discipling relationships, those two things are really what Jesus did in the New Testament. He made disciples and then sent them out to, in community on mission. And that's all we want to be about as a church. And so to us, that is as much church as a, a gathering space at a building. And so I want to encourage you, get your questions answered today. The God that is for you that we talked about last week and has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the question is, will you surrender to that purpose and plan? You need to get your questions answered so that you can fully surrender in the ways that you desire. Folly number three of, of how to surrender today, to live differently. I know I'm moving quick, but I'm going to tell you why. It's something exciting is about to happen. The third and final one that happens here in Acts chapter eight is you must be baptized today. Did he just say today? Like, we're talking like today, today? Because we can't be at the building and we don't have a, you know, a tank over to my right. You can't see this right now, but over to my right over here, there's a big tank. It's got warm water we can put in it, but we're not gonna do that. It's not necessarily safe and we can't have gatherings right now. So we, we won't be doing that, but we are gonna have some people this morning choose to be baptized in their homes. And I'm gonna tell you how to do that. It's gonna get crazy. The underground movement of Jesus is alive and well, and it's gonna move in your home or your apartment today. And I can't wait to see what God may do with it. Look what happens here in Acts chapter eight, right? So they, they hear this, this, and he's aware of what God's uh, speaking at that moment. And then he begins to ask these questions and he begins to get them answered. And some of you have been seeking, God's been doing that the last few weeks in your life. And then uh, check this out, verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? So like Philip now, is just like bros with this person that he just met. He's now riding along in the chariot with him, explaining the prophet Isaiah and the Messiah and the person of Jesus uh, that we just celebrated his resurrection last weekend for Easter. And then he says, well, there's water right here. What stands in the way of me being baptized today? Look, I'm not pointing fingers, 
But for some of us as Christians, we've known Jesus and received salvation decades ago. And we've never done the simple act of following him in baptism. Can I just ask you the question, why? Why not? I believe there's never a better time than to show your devotion, your surrendered life to Jesus, which is what baptism is. I'm going to share how you can even share that with our church community this morning online. But the eunuch says, well, why shouldn't I be baptized? There's water right there. Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip, check this out, and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him just like that. It wasn't like, well, we need you to go to this membership class for a few years. And then when you begin to tithe and we see that you're really committed, then, and you get educated and you pass our theological exam, now you're ready. Now you're ready to be baptized. No, that's not what it's like in scripture. You believed, you surrendered your life to Jesus, and then the sign of doing that was you got baptized. It was that simple. When did we make this so hard? It was really simple. And so Philip here baptized him. Look at verse 40. Uh, excuse me, verse 39. When, uh, let me read it again. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared as Zotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached uh, Caesarea. So he continues to allow God to use them, Christians. It didn't matter that it was persecution and they were scattered in that day. He was like, okay, still use me. And I'm not telling you to not to be, uh, you know, I don't want you to go out and be unsafe do things that get you the virus. Absolutely not. But you could look at in our environment today, how could you live in a way to live on mission? But then the eunuch here was willing to actually get baptized. And I want to ask you the same question that the eunuch asked, what can stand in the way of you being baptized today? You may need to ask yourself that question. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Some of you go, well, I don't even know what baptism is. I got good news. I'm going to share with you what it is. Here's the simple teachings of the New Testament about baptism. And if you want to get a little pen or or your notebook or your iPad or your phone and take some notes, great, so you can answer these questions. But some of you, I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God is already speaking to you, and you need to go fill up your bathtub right now. You want the water warm, don't you? Go heat it up. Go get it ready because some people are getting baptized this morning and I'm going to tell you how you're going to do that. So what is the meaning of baptism? Let me answer those questions for you. Number one, it illustrates Christ's burial and resurrection. It illustrates Christ's burial and resurrection that we celebrated on Good Friday and Easter. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 says this, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It says that it's an illustration that Christ was buried and he raised again. And number two then, if you're taking notes, it illustrates that you now have share in that new life of Christ, that you have new life as a Christian. That was uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So if you surrendered your life, it says the moment you surrender your life that you are a new creation. And the symbol of that is that you, have, you are baptized, that you have died with him and you have risen with him indeed, we say. Romans 6, 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It says that you're baptized and it illustrates that you have, risen, you have died with Christ and you've risen with him. Now, let me illustrate. It doesn't say there that it illustrates that you have memorized all the right theology and have no sin in your life 
and now you have been perfected and sanctified as a Christian. It doesn't say that. You got to stop thinking that. It doesn't say that. It says that it represent, that you, it represents you have given your life to Christ. You've been buried with him, risen with him. You're a new creation. God, use me. It do, baptism does not make you a believer, by the way. It does not bring you salvation. It's just a representation of the salvation you already have because you have believed and received the forgiveness and grace of Jesus because of his work on the cross and that you believe he has risen from the grave, overcoming death, that you have received salvation and given your life over to him. And the way that you show that you are a surrendered life, even though you're not perfect this side of heaven, nobody is. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're works in progress, but you get baptized to demonstrate that I have new life in Christ. It's not salvation though. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is, not the, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Not by works. Not that, okay, you got dunked in water and now you're a Christian, right? Now you have salvation because you went underwater. No, it's that you have already received salvation and is this, this is the way that you demonstrate, you illustrate that you've received that salvation. Now, some people ask, well, you know, I've seen where they've like sprinkled people before. Why do you guys do it where I, I got to be doused in water or, you know, at least get wet head to toe? Why do, you, why do you do that? And it's just really simple. It's not a legalistic thing, but it, it's just a few things. One, uh, why be baptized by immersion is what that is. And the number one is because Jesus was baptized that way. He, he, that's the way Jesus did it. You know, I always love when Christians say, well, I, I already have salvation. Why do I need to be baptized? Well, if you're following Jesus, Jesus got baptized and he was perfect. So why wouldn't we follow his example? Matthew three sixteen says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, right? So in that moment, he, is, uh, he was immersed in water and then he comes up out of the water and you see this picture of the Trinity there as the spirit of God is shown through the uh, dove. So number one, because Jesus was baptized that way. Number two, every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. That's every example. Now I'm not legalistic on this, but every baptism in the Bible was done this way. We just read verses 38 and 39 in Acts chapter eight and he gave orders to stop the chariot. This is the eunuch. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, right? They went into the water and Philip baptized him. The, the word baptized, uh, it, it's the Greek word baptizo. And baptizo literally means to immerse or dip underwater. So back to verse 38 in Acts chapter uh, 8 there, it said at the very end there, they went down in the water and Philip baptizo him, right? He, he immersed him in the water. And then when he came up out of the water, because he had been immersed, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So uh, that's the reason we do it by immersion. And the third reason that's the founders of the denominations actually all agree on this. Martin Luther said, I would have those who are to be baptized to be entirely immersed as the work imports and the mystery signifies. John Calvin said the word baptized signifies to immerse. It is certain that immersion was the practice of the ancient church. John Wesley buried with him alludes to a baptizing by immersion according to the custom of the first church. So it's pretty common in the Protestant church that this was the way that they always participated in baptism, and even the early, early church, that's always the way that they practiced it. So if that's how you be baptized, well, who should be baptized? Who should be baptized, right? I'm gonna lead a surrendered life. I'm gonna be baptized today. Well, am I the one that should be baptized? Here's who should be baptized. Every person who has believed in Christ. 
If you believe in his death and resurrection, you have given your life, you've received forgiveness, you should be baptized. And you shouldn't wait. There's never a better time, actually. This could be the coolest moment of your faith in the last year or 10 years or whatever because God begins to demonstrate to you church is not a building and baptism still goes on even if we can't meet here, amen? And so check this out. As soon as you have believed, you should be baptized. Acts chapter two, verse 41. Let me give you an example. Those who accepted his message were baptized, baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter preaches to thousands of people. 3,000 people give their uh, life to the Lord. They all get baptized. When? Uh, Six months down the road when they got their class and they got all the right answers. No, they got baptized that day. Verse uh, Acts chapter 8, verses uh, 35 to 38. Let me read it one more time here as we kind of conclude this and you get the big picture here. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus as they traveled along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? The eunuch sees the water and he says in that moment, what, what could stand in the way? I've got water right here. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. What could stand in the way of my being baptized? Let me ask you this. Do you have water in your home right now? Do you have water there? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you been baptized? If, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you've been baptized and you've got water in your home, or excuse me, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, and you have water in your home, and you have not been baptized, can I just politely ask you, why not be baptized today? Was that polite enough? Let me try that again. Why not be baptized today? What is standing in the way of you demonstrating and surrendering your life fully to Jesus and saying, I am yours, God. I live in a life where everything is chaos around me, brings stability to my life as you walk with me through whatever I'm facing. This was symbolic that, God, I receive forgiveness and salvation and also that your spirit to walk with me. And whatever I'm doing today, baptize me not just with water, but with your Holy Spirit. Use me, Lord Jesus. So I just want to encourage you right now, some of you, you need to sprint into your, uh, up to your bathtub or into place in your house or apartment, and you need to start filling that thing up with water. And if you're like, uh, dude, I can't fit in the water and go all the way under the water in my bathtub. It's not going to work. I don't have a jacuzzi tub. I'm going to show you, yes, you can. You're going to fill up a bucket of water, and you're going to get it ready too. And after this next song of worship, we're going to invite you to be baptized right there in your home. And I'm going to lead you in it. I'm still going to ask you the question. I'm going to do everything I would normally do to baptize someone. I'll still be baptizing you, but then you'll just dip down into the water and pour a bucket ahead on yourself. And, and then here's the thing. I want you to get a photo ahead of time, nice little selfie, and then afterwards get another selfie of you after your baptism. If you have a roommate or a family member at your home or apartment and they could video this for you, and get some extra photos, that's even better. They can even participate and dump the buckets of water on your head. Don't worry, I'll be leading it. They're just assisting. This is going to be incredible, guys. 
We believe that the underground movement of Jesus Christ is alive and active today, and all great movements have fully surrendered and devoted followers of Jesus living it out. And the way that we illustrate that to the world is that we get baptized to say, I am yours. I have died with you. I have risen with you. My kids may be trying to have a, overtake the evil dictator at home, but I want to tell you today we have a good God, and he is calling you to serve him and to love him back and demonstrate to the world the desperate needed, that it's not just a five-year-old who could have a devotion for the fun things he wants, but the followers of Jesus are more devoted than ever to our leader, and that is Jesus, and we want to demonstrate that to the world. Amen? Amen. So let me close this in prayer, and then we're going to move into a song of worship, and then I want you to have that water ready to go, a bucket ready to dump on your head, and a, a, a bathtub ready to be filled up, and then we're going to invite you to do this with us. Will you pray with me? God, we know that you are living and active and that you're everywhere right now. You are in all of our homes right now. Your spirit is with us. And you have been speaking to some people, many people this morning, that they need to stop making excuses and start saying, I am going to live devoted to you. And not only am I going to live devoted to you, I'm actually going to do the simple act that you set the example for us. I've got water in my home. Why shouldn't I be baptized? If you've given your life to Jesus already and you want to be baptized, I just invite you to pray this with me just for a second. God, as I do this, I, I pray that this would be me demonstrating my love back to you. I receive your forgiveness I have died with you. I am a new, I have risen with you indeed. I am a new creation. Use my life, God. Help me to be fully devoted to you, to become the person you created me to be, that we might change this world together, God. Your church is alive and active, scattered throughout our cities and states and world today. And so we surrender our lives to you and demonstrate that through the act of baptism. We all pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.